Hello, and welcome to The Point Being, a weekly podcast from Ipsos Public Affairs. Here we dive into the latest public opinion research as it relates to the news of the day. I am Kate Morris, a data journalist with Ipsos, and I'm joined by my colleague, Sarah Feldman. Hey. Also a data journalist at Ipsos, and research leads Chris Jackson. Greetings. And Mallory Newell. Hi there. Thanks to everyone who's tuning in. Um, And Sarah, over to you for a rundown of what's happening this week. Yeah, thanks, Kate. So this week, we're going to be taking a closer look at this weird transitional moment we all find ourselves in where things are certainly getting better than before, but we're still living through a pandemic. And those parallel feelings are impacting people's mental health, their sentiment about the economic recovery, what people are buying, and even the quote-unquote labor shortage, which we'll get into in a little bit. But let's start with the good news. People are feeling better. For the first time in our Axios Ipsos coronavirus tracker, there are more people reporting improving mental health than worsening mental health. Now, Chris, is this like a wholesale, full stop, feeling better, or do we have to caveat these findings in some way? Well, of course we have to caveat. I mean, <laughs> womp, womp. <laughs> we wouldn't be pollsters if we weren't caveating. No, I think what we're seeing is momentum and movement, but it's definitely not wholesale. Everybody is feeling one way or the other. Um, America's too big and too complex of a country for that to be the case. Um, but what we are seeing is sort of that inflection point. And we've, we've been really talking about it for a couple of weeks, even maybe two months now, of America shifting from that sort of really bunkering, fearful place that we've been in for really almost the last year to a much more optimistic, open view of what's going on. Uh, And we've seen it appearing in a number of different places. So we talked a couple of weeks ago about how uh, in our Axios tracker, we asked questions about how people felt over the last year. And most people said depressed or unhappy or pessimistic. And then when we asked them how they feel now, most people said optimistic. And we're seeing that now in a different measure. And this is when we ask people about their mental health. Uh, we've been, since the pandemic began, we've been asking Americans if their mental health has improved or gotten worse over the last week. Uh, and at the beginning of the pandemic, about a third of Americans were saying that their mental health had gotten worse over the last week. And I think that's really a testament to, again, how much sort of stress and anxiety and fear we were all experiencing. And at the same time, I think, you know, sort of to help explain it, most Americans also said that they thought that returning to their normal life uh, was a big risk, a larger or moderate risk uh, due to the pandemic. So 70 percent of Americans said that. Said that. Um, and what we've seen is that number, that 70 percent or more that thought returning to their regular life was a risk has been pretty constant through much of the last year. And then in March, we really started to see that drop. Um, And at uh, sort of the same time, the number of Americans who said their mental health got worse also started to come down a little bit. And then I think what's really most important is the number of people who said their mental health got better has actually finally started going up. And then this in this last week of our Axios Ipsos coronavirus index, we actually saw more Americans say their mental health got better than got worse for the first time since we started tracking this at the beginning of the pandemic. So, again, it's one of these sort of inflection points where we're seeing more positive than negative. Um, 
which is, you know, very much a good thing to see, but we're also not necessarily talking about huge numbers. We're talking 16% better, 13% worse, with the large majority of Americans saying that they're sort of staying the same, they're not really changing. Um, so, you know, I think that sort of suggests that there's still plenty of road to go, but, you know, it, it, is, a, it is a very positive sign. I think fundamentally what this is really about is been sort of the vaccination effort that's been picking up steam uh, through the spring, started in sort of January, really in earnest, and really picked up spring through March and April, and that that has really allowed Americans to start to feel more open and start to sort of view the world differently than they had through the past year. So if this is how Americans' mental health is changing, is that uh, positivity translating over to other issues like the economy? Yeah, Kate, it, it, it is. Uh, we're actually seeing Americans feeling very solid or strong about the economy. Um, we've talked about sort of expectations being sky high. And part of that is because of the way we ask the question. We ask people to compare how they think the next six months are going to be compared to the last six months. Um, and given how quickly things have changed over the last year, that makes the next six months almost sort of without fail, seem to be really positive or better. So expectations are super high. Um, but we're also seeing a lot of improvement across a lot of other indicators that aren't necessarily strictly sort of that sentiment based. So one of the questions we ask every week is, do you feel more or less comfortable making purchases for your household compared to you did six months ago? Um, and that number has been steadily climbing over the 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 last year, uh, you know, I think it's it's been a, a positive trend and particularly over the last uh, four or five months, again, since the vaccine started rolling out, we've seen a pretty consistent increase in the number of Americans who felt confident about their ability to afford their households. And when we look at that, by that optimism you're asking about, that sort of sense of optimism, we see actually people who feel like the economy is going to bounce back quickly feel even better about their household purchase, their ability to afford their households, right? So the sort of idea that the economy is just about to come roaring back, that, you know, things are in a good place and people are feeling a little bit more empowered, uh, a little bit more able to sort of do things to control their lives and not really feeling at risk. Now, I think it is, though, important to caveat that while that's true for a lot of Americans, there are also still a lot of Americans that aren't feeling as positive or rosy, right? So 57% of Americans say that they feel more comfortable making household purchases. Well, that leaves 43% who feel less comfortable or, or feel about the same they did six months ago. So, so it isn't necessarily a picture of everything's positive for everyone. There's still a lot of people who are struggling, who are fearful about the pandemic, who are worried about their health uh, or worried about their personal finances. And on that note, Mallory, like what do we know about how people's feelings are factoring into things like how they're planning for the future? That's a good question, Sarah. And for a lot of people, things are very much still in limbo. Um, a majority of Americans, about three quarters, still feel some level of uncertainty about planning for the future, according to our latest Ipsos COVID consumer tracker. Um, actually, about one in 10 say that they're totally stuck on what to do next. Um, but one thing that's really interesting that stood out to me is that people that feel stuck about 
about what the post-pandemic future may hold um, are actually more likely right now to to make larger purchases compared to those that have no uncertainty when planning for the future. And I'm talking about things like replacing your wardrobe, um, buying new furniture, or buying outdoor or adventure gear. Um, and it's, you know, those people, especially like when you look at buying new furniture, there's a particularly sizable gap between the two audiences. Um, I mean, this is this is a known and studied phenomenon. It's um, compulsive shopping can be a way for people to ease anxiety. Um, and I think maybe that's a little bit more of what we're seeing here, at least with this particular set of questions, um, rather than a sense of overall bullishness or confidence about the economic situation right now. Yeah, and looming over this uh, larger economic situation, there's the question of the labor shortage. How are Americans feeling about work and unemployment these days? Yeah, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk lately about a labor shortage and different states are are kind of trying different things, you know, pulling back on unemployment benefits. Um, we're seeing that in certain states lately. And I think our data shows that that it's a little bit less black and white than what's being reported. Um, so if you ask the the whole potential workforce, meaning the, the non-retired population, um, only about one in 10 overall um, and roughly about three in 10 of those who are unemployed say that they're e either unable or uninterested to look for work. So we're talking a minority of both the workforce population as a whole and of currently unemployed Americans. And among that group, again, we're like at the, the subset of the subset level here, but um, the, the single biggest reason that they say that they're unable to look for work is because of illness or disability. And that's sort of followed by childcare conflicts and then either health concerns or, or COVID restrictions. And then when you get all the way down to the very bottom of the list, it's, um, you know, government boosted unemployment checks or the sense that you can make more money on government programs than you would if you were working. And so it's it's a very small number of the workforce and of the unemployed that are actually, you know, saying that they're relying on aid and would like to continue doing so. I think that's a little bit different than the narrative that we're seeing um, when this is being discussed in the news. But just to kind of take a step back, one thing that really stood out to me is if you actually look at where workers are right now, um, I think that really speaks to the fluidity of this moment and, you know, tying it back to what I was just saying, the uncertainty of what's next. Um, according to our polling, a, a slim majority of employed people are satisfied with their job currently. It's just over half. And then you've actually got about a third that say that they're either actively looking for a new role or are willing to entertain a new offer if something came up. So that to me kind of shows one of the big questions right now in our great reopening, right? Not just about a labor shortage, but what is the 
potential people mobility going to look like? And as people start to thinking about start to think about returning to the office or returning to the workplace, you know, are they going to start entertaining different offers or looking around um, for jobs that are perhaps, you know, more flexible in working style or location or benefits, things like that? Um, Because really, you've only got about half of employed people that say that they're satisfied right now and are set. But, you know, going back to your original question, Kate, you mentioned the labor shortage. And and I think just to kind of tie it all together, I would say that that this, you know, ongoing discussion discussion of the labor shortage, including the extent to which that it exists, is, is definitely critical for uh, us to understand and to solve as we begin to reemerge from the pandemic. Right. But. But our data actually shows that that the talking points that we're seeing in the media and among certain governors of some states about, you know, unemployment benefits and government aid being too big of a draw to people to return to work. I think that kind of masks the, the complicated and actually quite diverse set of reasons why people aren't in the workforce today. And in fact, earning too much on government programs isn't really a major driver at all. And, you know, if you want to read more about this topic, because this sort of just begins to skim the surface, um, we actually posted an article to our website on this this week. It's written by our colleague, Matt Carmichael, and you can find that in the news and polls section on our website. Thanks, Mallory, for that really comprehensive rundown of where we're at today, unemployment and unemployment wise. Um, Yeah, and that's all we have time for today, but while you're on our website checking out that uh, summary from Matt Carmichael of uh, the picture of unemployment and unemployment in the US, there are other surveys, of course, to check out as well. Um, coming down the pike, we have a really fascinating survey, um, the Axios Ipsos Hard Truths Survey on Racial Equity in the US um, that will be out on Sunday and something that I would highly recommend people check out. Um, also, this week will be a survey with NPR on immigration, um, a survey with Reuters on election legitimacy, and our own survey on mental health and how whether Americans are languishing or flourishing at this stage of the pandemic. So all of these can be found at, as Mallory mentioned, at Ipsos.com um, news and polls, and you can follow us on Twitter at IpsosUS. Oh, thanks everyone for tuning in and join us next week. I'm Kate Morris and you can find me on Twitter at Callison Morris. I'm Chris Jackson. You can follow me at JCB Jackson. I'm Mallory Newell. Follow me at Mallory Kate. That's Kate with a C. And I'm Sarah Feldman and you can find me here next week. So thanks for listening, everyone, and talk soon. Take care.